the start of the college football season may still be about a month away, but football fans in Michigan got a little taste of what's to come this fall when Big Ten Media Days took place in Indianapolis last week. Michigan State football coach Mel Tucker, wide receiver Trey Mosley, offensive lineman J.D. Duplain, and linebacker Cal Halliday were all in attendance and shared their thoughts on the upcoming season. We will do that as well on episode 114 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion and Matt Wenzel with you on Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. Uh, Matt, we made it to August. Let's go. But uh, aside from all the coaches, you know, doing things the right way and getting better every day and players being in the best shape of their life, uh, did you get a chance to scope out all the good spots and make the proper reservations for when Michigan State returns to Indianapolis in December? Uh, I have I have my uh, my road hotels uh, all booked up for the season. I have not booked for uh, the Big Ten championship game. Uh, but I tell you what, for all the times I've been to Indianapolis, the first time I went actually walked through the convention center there, it is it's big. <laughs> it's uh, interesting, but uh, no, no reservations for uh, Indianapolis uh, in December yet. Mm. Well, with a win total of five and a half, I guess we can forgive you for not uh, booking your stay there for the Big Ten championship game. It's been a while since Michigan State has gone to Indianapolis, uh, but they have been three times. And uh, hey, you never know, Matt. You never know. Uh, Probably not likely, but we'll see. Uh, Appreciate everyone for listening here today. I've been away for a little bit as uh, it's been summer and, you know, hasn't been a whole lot going on. But Matt was in Indianapolis with all the media contingent from around the conference last week. So, you know, once Big Ten Media Days happen, football is just on the horizon. Now we're in August. We have football this month, uh, NFL Hall of Fame game getting underway this week. So uh, camp getting underway in East Lansing tomorrow, I believe. So just football is on the horizon. But um, today on the episode, we're going to get through a few things. We're going to talk about just kind of some takeaways from the Michigan State standpoint, kind of what we might have learned or maybe what Mel Tucker might have given us a brief glimpse of, of insight into the program. But before we get specifically to Michigan State, Matt, what are, what are your overall thoughts on the concept of media days? Do you find them helpful? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it gives the fans something, you know, you know, a week before camp starts, you know, get somebody excited, kind of put it on, put it on everybody's radar. Hey, a reminder, while you're on vacation this summer, enjoying the lake and all that. Uh, yeah, there's, there's that football thing coming soon. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 good to be able to get, uh, you know, kind of a feel for for the conference um, and where they're at. And, and things are a little different this year. Um, you know, full disclosure, uh, the Cleveland.com, our sister site, um, does a, uh, a preseason Big Ten poll every year. And because uh, the Big Ten stopped doing it like 15 years ago, uh, I had picked Ohio State to win every single year that I've been on this beat. And until this year, I picked uh, I picked Michigan to win because I mean they've got they've got a loaded roster and all that. But, and you know Ohio State doesn't have a proven quarterback, and you know maybe Penn State sneaks up there. And every, I don't know. I just you get a sense of, of where things stand. You know Luke Fickle's in charge now. Wisconsin's got a good team. Iowa, um, you know if they can ever score a point, you know <laughs> with that defense, you know they'd be good. And out west, and uh, they, you know they added a couple of Michigan transfers. And um, yeah, just. You know, get an overall sense of where the conference at. Obviously, the Northwestern stuff was uh, was a big topic um, this past week and everything that went down there and, and, you know, moving forward. Yeah, I've covered a few media days, uh, more so on the Mac side, but I always had a good time with it. It was fun to sort of mingle with media from different uh, markets and kind of talk to different coaches and players that you don't get to talk to as much. And yeah, like you said, just sort of get a feel and a layout uh, for how the league's going to be. I would agree with the Michigan pick. I mean, this looks like their year. I mean, they have 
loaded offensive line, five-star quarterback coming back, two great running backs, uh, two of the best defenders in the league in the secondary. So, I mean, if Michigan's going to do it, this is the year. Although I am pretty bullish on Penn State this year, Matt. I think that they could really make some noise. Ohio State, you said breaking in the new QB. It's uh, it's kind of up in the air. So for Michigan this year, this is kind of their their chance to sort of like get back to the playoff and win a playoff game, if, if ever, this year. So uh, let's get to Michigan State, though. Um, I guess we could go a lot of different ways with the Spartan conversation here, Matt. I guess I'll just leave it up to you. What What, what did you see as the most notable thing to come out of Big Ten media days from a Michigan State standpoint? Well, you know, this is all <laughs> hypothetical stuff. It's like, uh, you know, all of spring practice, you know, you hear these things, but, you know, let's see what on the field. I thought it was interesting that Mel said this is – the most talented roster top to bottom he's had since, you know, taking the job. Um, is that going to be true? I don't, I don't know. And, you know, the, the big takeaway from, from what went wrong last year is Mel just said, you know, we had, when it came to it, you know, we, we did not have the, the depth that we, we thought we, the, the depth that we needed to, to be, you know, to play winning football, you know, with all the injuries they had, obviously the, the suspensions, um, he, he, so we didn't have the depth. He thinks they've, they've addressed that through, you know, obviously recruiting the portal, um, beefed up the defensive line. He, he talked about that a good amount. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> uh, Trey Mosley had said, you know, he, he said he thought that in addition to obviously the shorthanded stuff, um, he thought that maybe a little complacency set in last year, which we'll see. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's back to – you know, a couple of years ago when they were coming off the, you know, the uh, two and five COVID season, they were picked widely projected to finish last in the East Division and they went 11 and two. So there's that, you know, chip on the shoulder, you know, when Mark Antonio uh, kind of throw back to uh, we got to prove everybody wrong and, and kind of that outlook going in. Because, yeah, I mean, if, if you're in the East Division, that's that's tough. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. I mean, those three those three teams. um yeah, they're going to be good this year, and Michigan State's got to try and find a way to compete with them. Yeah, and that's been the case through the years now. I mean, Michigan State has, what, four of the top ten teams in the country most likely on the schedule to start the year. So, I mean, we'll see what happens when the poll comes out. But we know the schedule's hard. Um, divisions going away next year I think will benefit Michigan State quite a bit, to be honest. And I think Mel sort of briefly touched on that uh, when he was talking to you guys. But he didn't really want to get into it too much. He's like, our schedule's going to be hard. Uh, regardless. So, uh, yeah, I listened to his, uh, his press conference, at least the ones that were available online and the players. And, you know, it is a lot of coach speak. It's a lot of, you know, this, this and that. I kind of alluded to it off the jump. But I think you do get sort of interesting nuggets that come out of it when coaches and players just can't help. Uh, but acknowledge certain things. And one of the, the interesting bits I thought was when you guys were asking Mel Tucker about the Michigan game. And kind of how, uh, you know, I know you've talked about it. Kyle's talked about it. I know other, you know, beat reporters have talked about how heated the rivalry is right now. You know, I see it on Twitter every single day. People just being like hating each other straight up just because of the team they like. It's gone a little bit too far online. I agree with that. Um, but I thought it was interesting that Mel didn't do anything to sort of quell the energy and the, the hype and the tension around the rivalry. And from a fan standpoint, I was happy to hear that, Matt, because I think, you know, why did D'Antonio have success against Michigan? Because he took it very seriously and personally, and he sort of hyped up this sort of uh, rivalry between the two. I was I was kind of happy to see Mel Tucker, you know, he's like, why, how do you rein it in? I mean, were, were you surprised to see him take that approach? Because I wasn't. 
No, no, absolutely not. I mean, this has been his approach since he, he got here, you know, and, and, you know, everybody probably already know, remembers, you know, Mel began his coaching career as a GA at Michigan State under Saban. You know, he knows he knew what the rivalry meant walking in the door and he hasn't shied away from it. And, you know, yeah, I mean, he didn't flinch when he was asked about it and, you know, said, I, I don't know how you how you tame it, you know, temp it down or whatever the exact wording was and doesn't know why he'd want to said, you know, that's the biggest game in our schedule and it will be the entire time he, he's coaching there. Um, and right about the same time that Mel talked, uh, there's a report from uh, Brett McMurphy that barring any flexes to different networks, um, he, he reported the uh, NBC schedule for the fall and that includes Michigan, Michigan state at, at night. So Mel got asked about that and all he said is uh, it will be there. So the players obviously said a little bit more, but, uh, you know, basically the point, you know, they didn't, I don't remember who it was, but it's like 9 a.m., 9 p.m. doesn't matter. You know, we'll, we'll, we're ready for that game. And um, yeah, I mean, it, we obviously nobody wants to see a repeat uh, of last year or, you know, a few years back, the pregame thing, you know, if you can just make it a, a somehow keep it a healthy rivalry, uh, if you can. Uh, but yeah, that's, that, that's not gonna, not gonna change. Mel's gonna keep that the number one thing all, all, all year. I mean, it is significant though. I mean, they've never had a night game between Michigan and Michigan state and East Lansing. So it will be, uh, interesting to watch. That's for sure. You know, I, th sometimes I think this stuff is overblown. I think obviously anywhere you're going to get a few knuckleheads, you know, that are, are button heads or trying to start fights outside, outside the stadium or inside the stadium. But quite frankly, I haven't really seen too many issues in the Michigan, Michigan state games I've attended through the years. You know, people just got to remember, like, these are people you work, live and play with. I mean, it's not a Michigan, Ohio state thing here. Like we all live in the same state, you know, for the most part. So like, just maybe stop treating people like they're like, you know, a sworn enemy in a war just because they root for a different team than you like you can razz and have fun with it but like this isn't life or death people it's a football game and you know people like mike valeni going on 97.1 telling people to leave the women and children at home it's like that's just ridiculous like this is a football game okay like anybody is welcome at spartan stadium i did not appreciate that message at all because we need to tone it down you a little bit you know right but keep the intensity but get rid of the vitriol you know yeah that just I don't have anything to say about his comments and stupid, but um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, like you said, it's a football game every year, you know, when I'm walking in, you know, going to the press box, heading in, there's Michigan and Michigan state fans together, drinking, playing cornhole, having fun. I mean, just it's three and a half hour football game, not life or death. Settle down, <laughs> have fun with it. Yeah. Uh, the three guys, the three guys they brought, obviously veterans. They're going to be key contributors, you know, to to the team. Duplain will start on the line again. Trey Mosley's, I guess, your de facto number one wide receiver now. Uh, we'll look for big things from him. And Cal Halliday, did he call him John Wick? Oh, you you haven't heard that one before? No, we never mentioned it. You know, I don't hear him talk uh, about this stuff every day. Yeah, you know? so John Wick's one. I think I, I would guess maybe because of the hair. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, uh, he said the body man, John Wick. I assume it means that he tackles everyone. You know, like yeah, he's got those nicknames, and Cal just kind of laughs it off. He doesn't really know where they came from or really care much. You know, he gets attention for. Um, not wearing any, no gloves, no towel, no wristbands, no nothing. And, you know, he's a basic player. Mel said you'd have been, would have fit in just fine uh, playing football a hundred years ago, which is just pretty accurate. But, um, 
Yeah, that's just uh, you know a couple of the nicknames. Uh, still, it's not quite as good as uh, D'Antonio naming Matt Coughlin uh, what Mick McLovin, and then it was McMuffin, and you know those were a little uh, odder. I, I think he forgot what he nicknamed him, so it just yeah. kept changing. <laughs> but uh, why you know they couldn't just bring a quarterback and, and let us all know who's going to start, Matt? Like what's up with that? Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. I actually I picked <clears throat> like a month ahead of uh, media days uh, I, in a text with uh, some other colleagues had predicted it would be Halliday, Mosley, and, uh, but I picked Samak. So I was going for the center. They, they gave us to play in the left guard. So uh, I was a little off, but no, they weren't going to bring a quarterback, but now that you bring it up, you know, Melod, you know, was asked, um, obviously once or twice. Or, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, but he was asked specifically about, is it a two man race or a three man race? And he was emphatic that it's a three man race to include, uh, Sam Levitt, the, the freshman, True freshman. Um, how realistic is that? Not. I, mean, I, I don't see it, but <clears throat> but he's got you know at this point in time, your your two year starter is already gone. So what, you know what the hell does it matter? Might as well say it's a you know throw the walk ons into the competition while you're at it. Uh, but it, you know he said that you know he part of the recruiting process is he had a goal to play as a true freshman, and, and you know he's very uh, confident. So yeah, they'll throw him in there, but I I just can't, I can't see that. I mean if 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 somehow he was doing the starting job, that would be uh, interesting to say what they to show what they think of him already because he wasn't even an early enrollee and kind of what where he's at compared to the you know well Kim this is you know he's been in the system for four years so um, yeah I I would say Kim is the front runner to, get, to win the job I think everybody kind of thinks that but um, they're going to let it play out in camp and I would expect I would be surprised if. <laughs> If there's a publicly named starter before the first team offense takes the field against against Central, that's just we're not getting that. I, I don't. He's see, never done it before, you know. Uh, well, I mean, you know, when last, we knew Peyton, last year obviously you knew Peyton. Um, you know, two years ago it was he announced it on the pregame radio show about five minutes before kickoff uh, at Northwestern that Thorne had beat out uh, Russo. So, yeah, I, I don't. I don't expect him to to publicly name it, but I would I would put my money on uh, Noah Kim. I thought it was interesting how he talked about you know Mel Tucker came into this program wanting to you know establish the ground game, be aggressive on defense, be hard hitting, good tackling. We haven't seen a whole lot of that, but it was interesting. I thought how uh, how much he emphasized sort of how they've changed their practice tactics probably in part because of how many injuries they had last year, literally from the opening jump, you know, Darius Snow still trying to make his way back from an injury that occurred last year. But he's talked a lot about, you know, sort of changing their practice tactics to maybe be less physical and just be smarter with the guys' bodies. And not, I found that somewhat interesting. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a continuing theme. You know, he was he's emphasized this for a few years, you know, because Mel got this NFL experience. You know, he's constantly – talked about staying off the ground because that's where most injuries happen. Yeah. He wants the guys to practice smart, minimize contact. You know, he was saying, you know, I, you know, in the NFL, you, you lose a couple guys to injury, your season's over. I mean, there's no, you're picking up guys off the street. And so we saw last year, what happens when you, when you get really thin at certain positions and they weren't able to obviously have the, the depth they needed, but yeah, they, he's been stressing practicing smarter and, and safer and keeping guys off the ground and, they just will continue to do that to, to try and uh, be a healthier team this fall. Well, it should work. I mean, I, I've 
I tend to agree with Mel. I don't know if you agreed with him off the jump there when you were talking about this being his most talented team. You know, that's obviously crazy to say when you had veteran guys on, you know, his in 21, you obviously had Kenneth Walker, who's a, you know, was a rookie of the year favorite last year in the NFL. But, you know, you look at the the two last recruiting classes, both in the top 25. Uh, he's brought in some experienced veteran transfers, you know, to Maisie Adelaide, you know, former five-star on some services. So it just, I don't know if like the, the specific players, there might've been like higher end talent on different teams, but it does seem to me like there is more depth now because of the young guys that have, he's brought in, you know, a lot of the transfers, you know, especially on the D line, what there's like, he's added like three, 300 pound guys who have played, you know, in, in football, college football before to go along with what was already a strong line. So you know, I got some pushback on that with people saying, like, what are you talking about? They've lost all their their players. They lost Keon Coleman. They lost Peyton Thorne. Like, there's no way the talent's better. And I don't, it just seems from top to bottom, there does appear to be more depth on the roster. And whether that depth can actually develop and perform on the field, I think that's kind of the big question we have with Mel Tucker. You know, we know he can recruit. We know he can bring in guys. We know he can get a locker room culture right. But we haven't really seen him develop his own guys. And with those two... Uh, especially the young guys. And with those two back-to-back top 25 class, I mean, some of those guys are going to have to play this year. So their development will definitely be on display this season, I think, if it's going to come. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can't say right now that looking at the team that is more talent top to bottom. But, you know, I'm not in the building every day. I don't know what was on behind the scenes. But just from looking at it now, when you when you don't have any experience when really at quarterback and, and you you lost your, your top two wide receivers, I don't see it now. That doesn't mean it, it can't. It isn't there, um, but yeah, they need to develop. You know, we we the portal's not going away. Everybody's going to continue to use it, but we need to see Michigan State needs to start developing their guys more um, and relying on them instead of having to go to the portal for three tight ends and three defensive tackles. And um, yeah, it, we we need to see some more of that for them to be a, a really competitive program because you can't keep relying on the portal heavily. But um, I do, you know, I. I I think they've filled some needs, but, you know, they still have such a young, you know, a young secondary that has been bad <laughs> for the last couple of years. Front seven looks like it should be strong, but questionable at the back end of the defense. Um, and then offensively, you know, you got some experience back on the line. You've got some, um, but, but you, your skill positions are really murky. You know, obviously quarterbacks, big question, couldn't run the ball last year. Got a couple of new transfers back there. And then, obviously a wide receiver with, with Reed going in the draft and Coleman to Florida state. It's Mosley and some of the younger guys um, along with Montori Foster, Christian Patrick, those types. But yeah, it's uh, last year at big 10 media days, um, you know, coming off 11 and two Mallet basically. And his players said, you know, we didn't, that ain't good enough. You know, we're still in prove it mode. Um, you know, five and seven means uh, you definitely improve it mode. So um they gotta they gotta show it on the field and uh to before you can really say yeah okay this this is a this is a you know a deeper team than a year ago because uh it, on paper I, I don't see it being more talented but let's just pick i just think it's because we haven't seen it yet you know it, guys need to emerge you know yeah. and and we you're like you said we're not in practice all the time so i i do think that there is some some kind of hidden gems there that people are going to get to know this year uh that are going to emerge i mean michigan state they need it obviously um, I saw Phil Steele speaking about the wide receivers. I got Phil Steele's magazine the other day, and he's got Kristen Fitzpatrick and Tyrell Henry starting at receiver alongside Trey Mosley, which, and he talks to coaches when he does these. So that kind of like 
kind of piqued my interest a little bit. You know, I've been high on Henry. I know you have too. So it will be interesting to see if he actually is a start. I mean, I think Montori Foster probably will be involved as well. But, you know, it, it seems like Henry might have the leg up on the other two young guys right now. I mean, obviously we don't know, but. Yeah, I, w- I would mean I would say Henry probably out of those out of the second year guys does, but I would I would say mostly um, Foster and then you know Fitzpatrick or Henry, but that's just my guess. And it, you know when if the snaps are really split up, it doesn't you know, it doesn't really yeah. matter. But, I just think Mel loves Fitzpatrick's size. You know he he's obviously loves size. Yeah, I mean he's six foot four. You know and he's been banged up uh, last year. He had. Uh, sports hernia if i remember right um foster had liz frank injuries so he's playing with screws in his foot so they in the spring they're both healthier you know they've, they've talked they've teammates and coaches have talked about how well they've done and so um we'll see but uh foster's or fitzpatrick has uh more size than anybody else the receiver and they brought in you know Alante brown from from nebraska who's a little a speedier guy kind of a wild card um yeah. Uh, speaking of size, I, I like Mel Tucker mentioned that uh, Nathan Carter, the transfer running back from UConn, has established himself in the weight room much like Ken Walker did, which obviously we're going to push back on the comparisons between Nathan Carter and Ken Walker. But uh, if you've seen photos of the guy, you're not surprised by that statement. And I guess it's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know how it would be a bad sign. Um, yeah, the, the Walker comparisons, uh, you know, that's just don't I don't think anybody should ever do that. I mean, there's there's only one Ken Kenneth Walker, and and I, Michigan State can never expect a repeat of that. Now that doesn't mean they can't get a you know a good back, but you know we heard some of those comparisons last year with um, Tariq Broussard being you know kind of a smaller version of him, and he just it, it, the tape never showed that in my opinion though. No, I mean he showed speed, but um, you know Big Ten's a little bit a little bit different than the. Uh, Pac-12 or wherever they're going now. Um, Big 12. But yeah, I, I mean, I like what I've seen from, from Carter. Um, am I going to pencil him in for 1,636 yards and 18 touchdowns? Nope. Uh, but I think he does have a chance to, to be the number one back. You know, him or Berger, I think, are most likely to, to do that. And then you mix in some Mangum and, and you know, some of the other guys. But uh, we'll see. They need to run the ball better, obviously. Yeah, they just need to be like – adequate running the ball like just don't be terrible you know just don't be mm-hmm. terrible uh should we have talked about them being displaced from the football building more not being in their in their locker room last year or is well, that just kind of like a thing that the program has to deal with but i can just, see how I mean, that could impact it a little bit you know you don't feel like you got your spot or whatever but yeah but you know we talked to them last year about that you know because you know they practice over at the football building and then you know they're getting bust over or walking over or riding. I think Meyer donated like a hundred bikes, <laughs> but there were a bunch of bikes sitting there in the tunnel. Not, not all of them were getting used. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's like an inconvenience, but you know, they, they had to do it. You know, you got the money to upgrade the facility and see, so yeah, I think it's something, but last year they had just been, they weren't talking about how this is going to destroy our season, but no. Mel had mentioned, uh, you know, he, you know, having that locker room back, which they are, getting into this week because they report to camp tomorrow and first practice is Thursday. He thinks that'll be beneficial because guys will spend more time hanging out. And he didn't, he made the point that he doesn't think you should be in your, your game day locker room every single day. Cause it kind of lessens the, you know, experience that you should feel on a Saturday, but you know, 
we'll we'll see if that makes a difference this fall. Yeah, last year was just kind of snake bitten in a lot of ways. You know, injuries, suspensions, poor play. Uh, where if 2021 everything went right, last year felt like everything went wrong. So maybe we'll get a sort of a mixture this year. Uh, anything else that kind of stood out to you before I'll just toss a few quick questions at you? You know, I asked. I it was interesting. I asked Luke Fickle how close he was to taking the Michigan State job, and he had basically been. Eh, I don't know that it was really an opportunity. You know, kind of danced around it. But you know, he did say like he didn't think at the time that you know some of these other opportunities that have come up. And I think clearly one of them he's talking about Michigan State. He didn't think it was right for him, his family, or the other school at the time. Basically, like you know, sometimes a coaching change you need need somebody to come in and kind of shake things up. I think more or less you say, you know, me, well, we don't know everything, but more or less saying like, you know, he was, he would be like Mark D'Antonio 2.0, you know, and like you, the comparisons would be there. And so they would, you know, sure. I, I mean, yeah, but either way, um, Wisconsin should be interesting with, with uh, fickle there. And they're going to look different this fall with uh, throwing the ball around more. He also had a pretty good Cincinnati team coming back uh, that off season. So yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, pretty, pretty decent. But if Mel Tucker's kind of like represents a complete shift and change in mindset for Michigan State, Fickle absolutely would have been like status quo what D'Antonio was doing. So, you know, I think it worked out for both parties. We'll see uh, what happens this year with Mel Tucker. It's a big year coming for him. Uh, before we get out of here, we did get some questions. Uh, appreciate that. Whoever sent them in unsolicited, uh, we'll take any questions, honestly, especially in the offseason because we need content. But one on Jordan Hall, freshman linebacker. Uh, this person says he sounds like a more athletic version of Max Bulla, former Michigan State linebacker. Do you believe he will get some rotation time with the first team D before the year is over? If if he's getting rotation time with the first team, that's probably a, a sign of injuries, I would guess, or yeah. really, really standing out as a true freshman. I, I think he is going to absolutely play this fall. Um, you'll see him on special teams. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he got in the mix uh, on defense a little bit, but being in a rotation, like for real snaps, I... I I just don't really see it because of who they bring back. You know, you have Roulet, you have Winman, you have Halliday, you, you know, Ma's back. So you you have these guys back. So They're so deep. It, it's yeah. tough to crack that, but he will be on the field this fall. They they really do like him. I mean, he is a very good young player. Yeah, if they can keep him around, he looks like a future stalwart on that defensive line or the defense for sure. So uh I think he'll be on the field as well. It seems like an impressive kid. Uh, another question. I want to be optimistic about our own line this year, but I feel like I need to see it first. Don't blame me for that. Uh, what is the likelihood they will be in the top half of the big 10 this year on the offensive line? There's a, there's a chance, you know, with, you know, Duplain and Samak back for an extra year, you got Spencer Brown at right tackle, but you know, they, I think we just need to see more of the depth, mm -hmm. you know, what, what, you know, Blackstock's where he fits in, you know, being a, you know, four-star Juco guy, we have a little, you know, the inexperience at, at right guard, you know, with uh, Carrick and Green being gone, you know, Gino Vandemark got some some run there and a couple starts late in the season. But they, they need the depth because you're never going to stay healthy up front the, the whole year. And when you when you get guys banged up, who's going to replace them? And they really have some younger guys that have to get into the two deep to establish more depth with, with Chris Kapilovic, the O-line coach, thinks they'll have a bigger rotation. But we still have to see it. So TBD. It all comes back to those, uh, you know, the recruiting classes the last two years. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can those guys perform? Are they ready to get on the field? You know, it's, 
I really do think that is the theme of the season this year is, is, is development from players they've recruited, you know, and that's, that's really what D'Antonio's program thrived over. And, and, and we haven't seen it so much with Mel. So that's kind of what I'm watching a lot this year. Um, got a fun one here to end it in week one. Are you more excited to see who starts a quarterback, how Nate Carter looks in live action or whether Michigan state can convert a 30 yard field goal? <laughs> Oh man, those are those are three great options right there. I know I, what you want to answer. I, I, I like all I like all three of them. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the field goal, um, just because. Uh, man, that was a mess last year, and you need a reliable kicker, and they don't they don't have one. You know, they had they don't have anybody on the you know their kicking situation was such a disaster last year. Now it's even more questionable. Like you have. Nobody who's made a college field goal, you, you know, Steven Rusnak, he's a, you know, returner. He's made some extra points. He missed his only career field goal attempt a couple of years ago. Um, and then Jonathan Kim who's a transfer from North Carolina. Who's been a kickoff specialist. Um, he's got some PAT experience, but again, it hasn't made it a field goal. So <laughs> we know how important field goals are and what happens when you don't have a good kicker. We saw that last year, it cost them a bull bid. Um, it almost cost them, you know, a couple more games after, you know, out there, the Wisconsin game and the Illinois game, but yeah, they need to, they need some sort of stability at kicker because ever since Matt Coglin got injured late in the 2021 season, it has been just a crapshoot. They, they have not had any sort of reliability at kicker. And then you, you have, a, you know, one of the best young kickers in the country, a true freshman. And then he, you know, he, he transfers out after his first year. So they need to find. They need to identify a kicker and establish one and make that part of the game um, not as just questionable as it is. You need to be able to know that if you got a 30-yard field goal, 22-yard field goal, you, you're going to make that. And, and, yeah, they need to establish that. Can't lose points. And this is – this is unacceptable, like kicker you yeah, like, yeah. or Matt. I mean, like, you know, Paul Edinger, Morton Anderson, Dave Rayner, Brett Swenson, Matt Coglin. They're all they're just yeah. upset right now. You know, they they can't handle this. They can't be loving this. But uh can we get Jack Stone to come back? You know, can we can we can that, I, I don't think they, so. He, it seems like they destroyed that kid's confidence, man. I'm sorry. They I think they mismanaged him. I'm just gonna say it. But I, I didn't understand that personally, but that mm. you know, we weren't there watching them in practice to know where where the reason they went with uh, Ben Patton they made the change but um no Jack Stone's at Baylor closer to home Texas native yeah all right well I think that's going to do it for our Big Ten Media Days takeaway show uh just kind of a, a grab bag free for all there just kind of some things that stuck out to us uh as we were watching the guys talk but Big Ten Media Days definitely a sign of the season on the horizon. Matt and I will be back, I think, on a more regular basis here in August as the fall camp gets underway in East Lansing. Going to take a closer look at, at more of these position groups. Obviously, we touched on a few of them here today, but we'll put each group under the microscope and kind of let you know where the depth stands and how we're feeling about certain guys as the season approaches. But that's going to do it for today's episode of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. So for Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening. We'll talk to you next time, and go green!